Welcome to another episode of the Bandage Podcast, a weekly wrap-up of the most trending healthcare news. Each week, we'll discuss the latest in healthcare, health IT, and compliance. In this week's episode, we discuss how daylight can affect the risk of cancer, San Antonio launching mental health pilot program, and Alaska splitting the health and social services department. Let's wrap things up. This is episode 130 for the week of March 28th. Oh my gosh, it's my birthday by the time this comes out. I'm Matt Moneypenny. And I'm Albert Battistelli. Before we get started, thank you very much. (laughs) Before we get started, our diagnosis code of the week is W61.51XD or bitten by a goose. Mm -mm. Subsequent encounter. Nope, this is like my worst nightmare. Perfect timing because it's breeding season for geese disgusting that's when you know that the goose is loose the goose is loose you start um, seeing geese on the road yeah crossing it and it's like what are you doing goose so matt i don't know if you ever come over to our part of the office much but out our window there's that little pond out front and there are two geese that live there and they they fly in every morning and it's just two of them and they hang out all day and then <laughs> fly again, in again the next morning geese mate for life i don't know but they're like our pets we love them yeah do geese mate for, i'm pretty sure they do i, I maybe they do i don't know i hate yeah geese. they do they have I very hate... low divorce rates good good that's good we can wow. we can strive to be like geese I can't stand geese. They drive me in like, or any bird really. And like (laughs) my biggest nightmare is being bitten or attacked by a goose. I'm not going to lie. Because we know that geese and birds are drones from the government. We know that they're real. Okay. Yeah. No, you're right. Actually that, that, that that makes sense. That's probably why bites you. It's the government punishing you is what I'm saying. Oh, Oh, right. Okay. Which leads to the diagnosis code. Hmm. It's all a big circle. It's all, you know, it is. Her okay. eye is opened. Wow. <laughs> We're a conspiracy podcast now? Yep. Great. Anyways, first up, we have daylight savings time versus standard non savings time. Whoa. The Sunshine Protection Act would make daylight savings time permanent year round beginning in the fall of 2023. Meanwhile, the American Academy of Sleep Medicine warns that it could harm public health. There are two ways to end clock changes. One is to go to permanent daylight savings time, and one goes to permanent standard time. The scientific and medical community believes it is better to go to permanent standard time because it is more aligned with the sun in the sky and so better for overall health and well-being. The data shows that daylight savings time Changes can affect obesity. There are also studies linking the time change to cancer. Areas misaligned with the sun by an hour or more have a 12% increased risk of cancer. Some cancer types have a higher increase in risk. Whoa. You would think being aligned with the sun would be the one that increases the risk of cancer because Because of skin cancer. Right, but no, apparently not. And that's on top of everything we talked about last week with when we talked about a similar story when with strokes and heart attacks and all those like health risks with people losing that hour of sleep. Yes. So hmm. those times they are a changing. They are a changing. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess we'll see. I didn't really 
I, there's so many different times these days and I can't even keep up with them. I don't even know what time it is right now, let alone standard time versus daylight savings time. That's true. I don't, I don't know who decided. I don't know. I don't know when, like, this has been like a hundred year thing. And I feel it's like every so year, I feel like every year people are like, why do we do this? <laughs> oh yeah. I asked that same, I asked that question every year. <laughs> like, and I can't imagine it was much different a hundred years ago when they decided to do this. They were like, what? <laughs> why? Why? We had like um, the time wizard come in and, and be the lobbyist for, <laughs> For the time change and he got his way and then he disappeared then he was gone it's real all right next up we have pilot mental health 911 team the city of san antonio will soon launch a pilot program that will send specially trained police officers paramedics and licensed clinicians to certain 911 calls that involve mental health the multidisciplinary team now called sa core for community outreach and resiliency effort is aimed at reducing arrests by instead connecting people to the mental health services they need during a crisis. The one-year, $1.7 million pilot program is funded through the city's 2022 fiscal year budget. A formal launch is slated for April 18th. SA Corps will start by covering the San Antonio Police Department's central substations territory, which includes downtown and much of the near west and north sides, seven days a week. Two shifts will cover 7 a.m. to 11 p.m., answering mental health-related calls that do not involve weapons. The police officer's role will be to ensure that the scene is safe for the patient and other team members. The clinician, provided by the Center for Healthcare Services, will perform behavioral health assessments, and the paramedic will address physical health concerns. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, I guess More, how do they determine whether or not there's a weapon involved? Yeah, how would you know via phone call? I guess Unless like... you ask them. Right, right. And I guess, you know, if, if I guess the weapon is the indicator for escalation to get police out there to try to talk them down. Right. Something like that. But like, yeah, I mean, this is good. I mean, anything that has to do with mental health in terms of protecting people with, you know, that are right. going hard times is good. Right. Um, I. It's just a more robust opinion, though, approach. Does this muddy the water for the suicide prevention hotline? Ooh, yeah, I don't know. Good question. I mean, it's good to try something out, but right. isn't that the purpose of the suicide hotline? Right. But I think also it like it addresses people who maybe have mental health issues who I mean, we've seen stories recently where people are shot or something by police officers because they didn't know they had mental health issues and they didn't know okay. that they were just having an episode. Mm -hmm. So having a yeah, person there, a mental health professional there. Thing for yeah, the it could just be one of those things that like, it's just a more robust approach to handling like public health crises or I don't know, emergency situations where a person may be having a mental health episode instead of just being like trying to inflict harm or something. Right. I don't know. I think it's good overall. Just interesting. Yeah. But we'll see. Hopefully it goes well. Next up, Reorganizing Alaskan Health. The Alaska Department of Health and Social Services will be split into two separate departments in July. Under the change, there will be a Department of Health that would continue to do most of the work of the current Department of Health and Social Services, like overseeing the Medicaid program. Medicaid is one of the largest pieces of the state budget. The other new department 
will be the Department of Family and Community Services. It will oversee foster care, juvenile justice, Alaska Pioneer Homes, and the Alaska Psychiatric Institute. Adam Crum, the commissioner of the current combined department, said the large number of services he oversees has meant that he and his staff have moved from one crisis to another, and having two more focused departments will make that less likely. Hmm. That seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, it, it, I mean, that, it's interesting that they weren't that way in the first place. Yes, it's kind of like a, oh, this should, social services, although it affects health, yeah, should be separated because it's its own delineation from, you know, getting a splinter or bitten by a goose. Bitten by a goose, yeah, true. So that's good. Love that. Happy Alaska. You know, people sleep on Alaska, but it's up there doing good things. We see you. We see, we you. see you. We Alaska. recognize you, Alaskans. Yes. Thank you. You know, we have a huge Alaskan cohort of listeners. Sure, sure, sure. So. <laughs> this goes out to them. This one's for yeah, them. Yeah, this one's for them. Anyways, let's get on to our next segment. B-R-E-A-C-H. Breach Patrol. It's a breach! All of the latest cybersecurity breaches. Welcome to Breach Patrol. We talk about the latest breaches all across the world. Oh my gosh, Albert, what is it? Okay, Lapsus is on a roll. Identity giant Okta has confirmed a January network breach after hackers posted screenshots overnight, apparently showing access to the company's internal systems. The Lapsus hacking group has published several screenshots to its Telegram channel, reporting to show internal Okta applications on January 21st. Lapsus claimed it did not steal data from Okta and that its focus was only on Okta customers. Okta is used by thousands of organizations and governments worldwide as a single sign-on provider, allowing employees to securely access a company's internal systems, such as email accounts, calendars, applications, and more. The new site publishing this article, TechCrunch, could not immediately verify the authenticity of the screenshots posted by Lapsus. A security researcher said that the screenshots contain several artifacts that suggest the hackers may have used a VPN to gain access to Okta's network. Looks like Lapsus found a lapse in Okta's <laughs> cybersecurity. Oh my god! They gosh. sure did. Wow. Oh my gosh, Matt. Okta is a You're big so organization. I'm pretty sure, and I think a lot of cybersecurity. Actually, I know a lot of cybersecurity people use Okta. Yeah, because it basically just automates some some things um, in terms of like data entry, I believe, huh. identity platform. All right. Multi oh, no, it's like single sign-on. That's what it is. My bad. Yeah. That's Which I guess streamlines processes. Sure. Sure. Um, but, it makes it easier. you know, I feel like that's, I don't know. I feel like, I'm starting to feel like the hackers have a lot more power than organizations. And if they put their mind to it, they can hack whatever they want. That's what it feels like after doing this for oh, two years. Yeah. Getting all these, reading all these stories every week. I'm like, hmm. They're just like, all right, guys. Here's another one. Low, but. Let's also just attack this place now. And they're like, all right, let's just put our energy towards it. Down goes the Russian government. All right, yeah. let's do this with uh, this organization, Okta. All right, cool. We did that. Um, it looks like Okta has a statement on Lapsus on their website, so that's good. Interesting. The update was posted yesterday. An update was posted yesterday at 6.30 p.m. from the chief security officer. Wow. Um, so... 
Yeah, they're doing things in terms of the remediation. They're doing a good job there. So congrats there. Hopefully they figure things out and uh, good luck, I guess. Next up, background check gets IT checkup. Four parallel lawsuits filed this month accused a Massachusetts-based company called Creative Services Incorporated, or CSI, of negligently failing to safeguard private information. CSI provides background check services to employers, institutions, and governments nationwide. They determined that certain files dating back from November 2018 to November 2021 may have been copied from their systems as part of a cyber attack. Based on the investigation into this incident, it was determined that the information involved may include names and dates of birth, social security numbers, and or driver's license numbers. That's a lot of stuff. According to the four lawsuits, letters were sent in February to more than 164,000 people who had their information potentially exposed by the breach. Each of the four lawsuits attempts to establish a class action case against CSI, accusing the company of failing to effectively protect the personal identifying information of individuals the company has hired to check. Mm -hmm. Class action lawsuits. Four. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. Whew. That's a lot of classes over there. That's expensive. Oh, gotta protect your information, folks. As we've broken down, class action lawsuits lead to very big fines, but mm -hmm. they don't really provide that much help to organ or to the individuals who are affected. Because it's like, all right, if if you know, hundred and hundred and sixty four thousand people. Times five dollars each. That's eight hundred and twenty thousand. Maybe they get fifteen dollars each. That's two million forty six thousand forty six four hundred and sixty thousand. So you see how it scales up, but it doesn't really. I mean, it's just more of like a headline grabber, in my opinion. It's a big payday for the lawyers. So, I guess for sure, absolutely. That's what happens. That's what happens for when you're lawsuits. not up on your. That's an option. Cybersecurity, it folks. It's a certainly an option. Next up, we have massive EPHI leak in Texas. On March 17, 2022, Dallas, Texas-based JDC Healthcare Management, which runs more than 70 Jefferson Dental and Orthodontics practices throughout the state of Texas, reported a security breach to the Office of the Attorney General of Texas that has affected more than 1 million Texans. JDC Healthcare Management explained that the malware gave unauthorized individuals access to its IT systems from July 27, 2021 to August 16, 2021, and its forensic investigation confirmed the attackers viewed or copied files on its systems that contained patients' electronic protected health information, or EPHI. JDC explained in its March 2022 breach notification letters that the comprehensive review of the impacted files is ongoing. But it has been confirmed that the types of exposed and compromised EPHI included names, dates of birth, social security numbers, driver's license numbers, financial information, health insurance information, and medical information. So that's a lot of stuff. That's, uh... Yep. Malware, man. Malware gives people access. Ransomware takes access away. Yeah. Don't, don't randomly click on links. Or download things. Or download things. Or Don't download the song Linkin Park Numb.exe. Oh, yeah, definitely not. Just stick yeah. with the MP4s. Yeah, anything with the .exe, you avoid. Don't, don't, avoid. You don't want a surprise .exe. 
surprise. Yeah, you don't want a ransomware.exe. No, no, no. Because you clicked on a surprise. Uh oh. Now your whole company's dead as leaked. Yeah, but see, that's on you. The 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 difference between see how it scales up for healthcare, Albert. It's a cybersecurity incident that led to a leak in electronic protected health information. Yep. Yep. Which is going to lead to a HIPAA violation. HIPAA violation. Which then trickles down to a fine. Yep. So, on top ouch. of just like the embarrassment of having it happen. Big ouch. Big ouch. Come on. Massive, folks. massive breach. Millions of records. Yep. Hopefully, uh, things get sorted and. Right. Best of luck to the victims. Right. These cyber attacks, they're like geese, man. They're going to come at you. They're going to come. They're going to bite you. They affect you for life. Yeah. Like geese mate for life. Yep. As we found out that they're actually drones from the government. Right, right, right. That's true. That's it for this week's wrap of your weekly healthcare news. I'm Matt Moneypenny. And I'm Albert Battistelli. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Bandage Podcast produced by eTactics.